this is Abu Shukula. You're listening to the Cooking Communities podcast. I'm just super excited to have the today's guest on the show. Welcome, Tom Mallens. Um, Tom Mallens is a Birmingham sales trainer, officially known as people might know you as the Beast of Broad Street. Um, and someone, someone's journey I've been following for quite some time on LinkedIn and on Facebook. I've, met, I've managed to have the pleasure to meet in person as well. And there's so much that I've learned from this individual, not just from a social media point of view, from a sales point of view as well. So I want to introduce you to Tom. Tom, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure, Abdul. Thank you very much for having me on here. It's, uh, yeah, it's great to be talking to you. Perfect, perfect. So let's get drive straight into it. How did you get to where you are now? Like nobody really knows. Like I haven't really seen somewhere where there's a bit about your story and your journey as an individual. Nobody really knows much about you from that perspective. We know you as a beast of Bruce Street. We know you as a sales trainer, but nobody really knows your story. So how did you how did you get to where you are today? Um, yeah, no, th- thank you for asking. Um, I'll give you the short the short version. Uh, I started out life as a journalist. I was a writer and editor on various newspapers and magazines, and I decided that there must be more. There must be somewhere else I could go in terms of my career. So I spent an awful lot of money, and I went to university to study business. Uh, I left university and thought that must mean I knew an awful lot about business and would find it easy to be successful. And I set up a manufacturing sales agency business. So we were selling speciality raw materials and industrial machinery for from uh, a few companies in Europe into the UK market. And uh, I rather naively uh, believed that it would be as easy as phoning up the managing directors of large multinational manufacturing companies and saying, hi, it's me, got some raw materials, got some machinery. When can I come and see you? But of course, um, I quickly realized it doesn't really work like that. And I and I just faced a lot of rejection, a lot of people telling me, no, we don't take cold calls. No, we've got a no-name policy or no, you'll have to send some information into our info at email address. So I got very demoralized uh, and bit by bit, I started to try and learn stuff that was going to help me, me be more successful. Uh, that led to me getting involved with LinkedIn very heavily. And then uh, after several years of running the sales agency business, I became full-time training other companies and businesses and people on using LinkedIn. Uh, and then the LinkedIn led to my work today as a sales trainer. Okay, so perfect. So why did you kind of, like sales, like we all say when we start younger, we don't really have that feel when it comes to picking up the phone. But when it comes to running our own businesses, why do people have that? Why do you feel like people have that fear? Because I know it's like, when you're working for someone, it's easy to pick up the phone. I've worked for companies and I've sold amazing amounts of business. But when it comes to doing it for yourself, it's that extra bit of struggle. It's just that extra bit of harder. Why do yeah. you think that is? I think it all boils down to our mindset and, our, and some deeply held beliefs that we pick up in childhood. So I don't know if you were anything like me, but when I grew up, uh, I used to hear a lot of things like don't talk to strangers or it's rude to ask people questions. And, and these kind of things that you, you hear from perhaps your parents or people that you grew up with, they really create a, a mindset in people that at some deep psychological level, they don't think that it's OK for them to pick up the phone and talk to someone they don't know. Uh, they think that maybe it's rude or impolite and they don't think that, it, that they have the right to do it. They don't think 
they deserve, uh, they have the justification to do it. So they have all kinds of very unhelpful beliefs. Uh, and I think that that is mm. what underpins a lot of it. Now, of course, no one likes to recognize or admit that. It's difficult. So what they tend to say instead is, oh, cold calling doesn't work, or it would be better for me to send an email. And that, so they justify it. But at the core of it, I think, is um, these deeply held, unhelpful beliefs about talking to strangers. Mm. So talking, talk a bit more about that. I think most people, you said that most people believe that cold calling is dead or most people have that sort of idea that cold calling is completely sort of something that doesn't exist anymore. Do you, what is the number one thing? Like, why is it important for entrepreneurs or business owners to really be able to pick up that phone? Why is it important for them? Because a lot of people are avoiding it. And even, for example, myself, I've avoided it for quite a long time. Why do you think people avoid it? So uh, people avoid it because it's difficult and it's uncomfortable. Now, let's be clear, you know, cold calling can be a good strategy and, and it can be very effective. But of course, making warm calls to people that already know you is more effective. It's much better if you've got a wide network of contacts who really know you and like you already. And that's going to make it easier to have more productive phone calls. Um, but in the absence of that, cold calling is important. The other, the other thing to point out, of course, is that um, there are a certain amount of opportunities that you or your business are already aware of. You can tap into them. People that already know you, uh, people you already know. But if you want to find new untapped opportunities, things you don't know about, things that you don't have in your plan or forecast, you're going to have to go and speak to people you don't know. And cold calling is the most direct way to do that. So that's why I think it's important. The other reason being, of course, if you can get good at that and you can find it easy, a lot of other things seem much, much easier and more comfortable in comparison. So you talked about warm calling. What's the difference between warm calling and cold calling? Well, I would suggest that there's not a huge difference. The main difference is that a cold call, the person you're ringing does not know who you are. They have no idea who you are. Okay. A warm call, they know who you are. Uh, a hot call, they know who you are and they're expecting the call. It's been agreed mm -hmm. before. Uh, a warm call, they know who you are. They're going to say, oh, yeah, Abdul, you know, I recognize the name. A cold call, they don't know who you are. Now, in terms of the mechanics so of the So how form, important is it? Mm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go it's gone. Oh, it's just going to say... I was going to say... Sorry. <laughs> in terms of the mechanics of the call, I'm going to suggest that there's actually not much difference in what you would say on a cold call or a warm call. It's just that first 10, 20, 30 seconds in which the person isn't comfortable, doesn't know who you are, and is worried that it's going to be an aggressive sales call that you've got to deal with. But after that point, once they're comfortable and they're actually listening and paying attention to you, the same rules apply on a cold call as would on a warm call. Mm, absolutely makes sense. So, you know, when it comes to warm calling, one of the key things that I, I've seen you do, in particular on LinkedIn, is, is build your personal brand. Okay, so why is it important for people to build their personal brand when it comes to being a sales professional? 
So I, I, I heard it summed up uh, brilliantly by uh, a, a, a contact of mine that I spoke to uh, last year who said that once upon a time in the world of business, it wasn't about uh, it wasn't about what you know. It was about who you know. Yeah. Your contacts are going to determine where you can get to in life and, and your level of success. Now, the big change and the reason I think it's more important than ever for people in any industry or sector to build their personal brand is that in the world of social media, things have changed again completely. It is no longer about who you know that determines your success. It's helpful, but it's not just about who you know. What it's actually about now is who knows you. Mm. Realistically, mm. you may sense. be able to. You may, yeah, you may be able to know 100, 200, 300 people in business and kind of actually vaguely know who they all are. But there's no limit to the number of people that can know you. You know, that's where you get people on social media with, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of followers, and and that's where the value is. Mm, so true, so true. So when it comes to social media, what's your? Because you've done it really well and I've seen you do it all the time, people are really engaging with your social media. What are some of the Thank tips you. that you can give for people to use social media correctly? Because obviously they were seeing it used in, in so many different ways and some of the things are totally wrong, uh, especially the, the messaging with the pitch straight in the inbox. Like, What are some of the tips that you could provide to, to our audience? Yeah, so um, a couple of suggestions straight off the bat. And, and, and these are really focused around some of the big problems that people come to me with. So the first is consistency. You know, without exception, almost everything that you want to do in life that is going to be meaningful and valuable, consistency is going to be a big part of that. So if you're going to use social media, have a plan, be consistent and expect it to take a little while. You know, expect it to take time. That way, if you get good results quicker, that's a bonus. You're going to be you're going to be even more happy. Um, if, if you don't get results at first, that's OK, because you understand that it's going to take time. So, you know, showing up on there every day and building that habit is really important. Uh, the second thing is your biggest asset when it comes to social media is your personality. So have some show some personality. When people look at social media, you know, they're hunched over their phone. They're usually trying to avoid doing some work. Maybe they've got a coffee or a cigarette that they're having at the same time. They want to be entertained. They want to be, uh, they want to smile. They want to see something they've not seen before. And, you know, your personality is the biggest asset that you have in doing that. So show some personality. Don't be bland or boring because you will be ignored and forgotten in, in a sea of other content on social. And then the, mm. the third thing so I suggest... Yeah, so I was going to say, so carry on with the next question. Yeah, so just the third thing I would suggest um, is have a plan about how you're going to get people off social media into a phone call with you. You know, if you can't be clear about why someone would want to speak to you and what the value is in it for them, if you can't be clear on that, then they they definitely won't be. Mm, so true. So 
True. So when it, you you talked about personality. What if people feel like there is no sort of like they don't have a personality? Or how do they how do they make sure that they put themselves out with that? Because most people don't realize. Okay, how can I put myself across? And you're talking about being personal, having a personality, not yeah. being bland. How do people do that in the first place? How do you, how can you be yourself online? That's a great question, and I think. You know, this really strays outside the world of sales and social media. This is just a more fundamental question about being and who we are as people. I believe everyone has has things that they can do or that they enjoy doing that make them feel most fully alive. They have ways of being. They have times in their life when they feel most fully alive. And and as a consequence of that, when they're in that state, they're most attractive you know, people like to be around them when they're full of energy and positive energy and they're doing something they love. It makes people um, it, it makes people very tr- attractive to others um, when you're, you're full of positive energy and you're doing something you love. So find and identify what that is. Now, for some people, it's, you know, playing music or for some people, it's humor. For some people, it's information. You know, it's the people that just love information. They love data. They love facts. There's something about everyone that that really brings them alive. And you've just got to find what that is for you uh, and then share that with the world. Mm, totally. So now moving on swiftly to, you know, you're now starting to build a real community. And it's not just about a community that's OK, it's just, you know, your social media, you know, people that are on your social media. You're starting to form groups, you're starting to form events, you're starting to do these small little things. Why is it important to, to build a community in 2019? Well, wow, that's a great that's a great question. Um, why is it important to build a community in 2019? I think that uh, there's a couple of things. Um, so the first is, and I don't want to go too far, delve too far into this, but yeah, as as people, as individuals, as human beings a sense of belonging is deeply important to us. You know, it's it's literally true that a, a human baby cannot survive uh, by itself. It has to be part of a community. It has to have people that will give it care. It has to be surrounded by others and either to, to it, it, surrounded by other people to survive. So that's that need to belong, that need to be in a community is deeply important for people. And so, uh, of course, using your unique personality to offer people a community um, that is right for them, that resonates with them, is a wonderful gift that you can give to the world. Um, And it makes the world more connected. It helps people belong. And in the world of social media, when it's more easy to communicate with anyone from anywhere in the world, um, having places where we feel like we belong is, is, is really important to people. It helps them tremendously. Um, it's important for their health, their psychological well-being as much as anything else. Now, on the flip side, for us as you know, business people, business owners, salespeople, uh, communities are, are going to help you increase the number of people who know you, the number of people who like you, and the number of people who trust you enough to want to speak to you on the phone or face-to-face in a meeting. Mm. And, and that's mean. where I believe a, a big part of the value is. So do you have a vision for the, you know, you're building this community around be supposed to, and you're building this whole sales community in Birmingham. Do you, what's your vision for it? Ah, interesting. Uh, my, my vision for it, 
Um, two or three things, I guess. The first is my sales training when I first started out consisted of here are some business cards and then being shouted at several months later in a sales meeting when I hadn't delivered the results that were expected of me. And I don't know about you, but I think that's not uncommon. As salespeople, as business people, we receive very little training, especially in the world of sales. So I would have benefited tremendously for some really, really good training. And, and so one of the things I want to achieve is that um, you know, every salesperson, every business to business salesperson in Birmingham has the opportunity of, of getting the skills that they're going to need to take them where they want to go in life by being able to sell as a professional rather than just stumbling mm. through as an amateur. Uh, the second one is um, I've seen the difference that good salesmanship makes to people. Good salesmanship results in genuine win-win outcomes in which everyone involved benefits in a positive and sustainable way. And I think that uh, certainly you know, the community around the Midlands, Birmingham uh, and further afield will benefit from 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 great sales training and sales done properly i think it's a um a really important thing to get right because when sales goes bad that's when we get people that are dissatisfied unhappy that's when we get suboptimal outcomes um so i want to really build a community of people around the midlands that see the value in professional salesmanship and all the good things that that can bring um including and not limited to money you know, we talked about this on LinkedIn recently. Uh, it's an emotive subject for many people. Um, it won't make you happy, um, but having money, um, it, it takes away a lot of stress and problems in life. <laughs> so, you know, if, you, if you're not feeling happy, it's better to be happy with money, uh, sorry, unhappy with money than it is to be unhappy without money. Mm, so true, so true. Um, and and you touch upon uh, you touch upon the sort of the mindset around money. Is is there a perfect mindset around money? Is there is there a secret answer to this? Is there is is there is there something that you feel like actually you know what this is the mindset to have when it comes to when it comes to money as as business owners as sales professionals? So I I don't know if there's a definitive answer uh, to the world of money, but can I just share with you a few thoughts that have been helpful to me? The first is that money is a commodity in infinite supply. There is no shortage of it. If there ever was a shortage, they just they literally just make more. Uh, you know, that's quantitative easing. Um, th so there's no shortage of it. But money is a commodity. So in sales, a lot of salespeople tend to have this idea. Oh, um, my potential customer's got a lot of money. I, I want to be nice to them or I'm going to let them push me around. And hopefully if they like me enough, I might get a bit of it. Um, or if they're staring down the barrel of a bad deal, they think, oh, I, I, I've got to do it because of the money. Um, now, to flip that on its head, we've got to realize that if people are interested in buying from us, they've got a problem. They've got a specific problem that's generally to some degree um, specific to them. Uh, we as salespeople have specialist knowledge uh, and information that can help them solve that problem. So we're the one with the high value skill. The prospect has nothing but a commodity that we can get anywhere. So the tendency in sales is to put our prospects on pedestals and see them 
somehow in, uh, superior to us. This is often why we're worried or nervous about making cold calls, because we feel like we're the subordinate and we're ringing someone that we don't really have the right to speak to. Um, the reality is actually the complete opposite. Um, potential customers have a problem and money, which is nothing special. It's a commodity. There's an infinite amount of it. Salespeople, we have something special. That's our knowledge and our skill that's going to help solve that problem for people. So if we're going to um, do, be successful in sales, we've got to have a very strong money concept. We've got to have really, really helpful beliefs about money, um, including mm -hmm. that there's an infinite amount of it and that it's very easy for us to get. Mm, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Now moving on to a couple of sort of secrets around 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 cold calling. Mm. How do we prepare? What's the best way to prepare for a cold call? Ah, interesting question. So I like to break everything around cold calls down into three areas. So um, we call this the BAT triangle. It's, um, B for behaviour, A for attitude, T for technique. So we've got to think about the cold call mm -hmm. from from those three points of view. For, most people focus on the technique. What am I going to say? Um, that's important. We've got to get that right. However, if we have great technique, but we don't consistently do the behaviors, i.e. we don't consistently pick up the phone and do it regularly, um, the best te techniques in the world get wasted. Um, likewise, if we've got great technique or we're regularly doing the, co the cold calls, but we've got a poor attitude around it, we see it as difficult. We see it as um, something that's a bit sleazy or we see it as something that um, somehow um, isn't appropriate, but we, you know, we're doing it anyway. If we have unhelpful attitudes around cold calling, again, it's going to mean we're unsuccessful. We're not going to do it in the long run. We're going to find it too emotionally draining. So we've got to make sure that our mm. technique is good, but we've also got to make sure we have a plan for our behavior. Like, do you know how many dials you're going to do every day, every week, every month to get to the mm -hmm. result you want? Uh, and we've got to make sure that we have the right mindsets around it. Um, we can't maintain that kind of behavior if our mindset around it is poor. If we have the mindset and you can actually do the numbers to work this out, literally every time I dial a number, I'm putting money in my own pocket, which one is true. You get the money maybe a month, two months, three months down the line. But literally every time you dial, you make money for yourself. And you can just do that very simply by working out how many dials you did over a particular time span a quarter, a month, a year, and how much money you made during that time. And you can work out how much money you make every time you hit dial, whether you get through to someone or not, whether they, they like, they speak to you or not, whether they say yes or no. Um, that's, uh, I think you've hit the nail on it. That's some really golden nuggets there because I think most people don't think about, most people think about, it's, it's just a fear. It's all overwhelming that people don't actually look at you know what there's benefit in this i can actually make money out of these dials and every phone call is an opportunity for me to get more business and i think people put that into the background and put the fear in the forefront so i the way you describe the way you explain it is, is, is it makes perfect sense oh thank you so just on the technique um, aspect i was just going to yeah. throw in a, a couple of things because people often ask about that um mm -hmm. I'm just going to essentially boil this down to one or two things. The first is tonality. 
the, okay. you know, the, the tone of voice you use is tremendously important. Um, because okay. pe- in the absence of being face to face and being able to see, look the person in the eye, people only really have the, the words you use and the tonality with which you say them to go on. And, and we know from psychological research that people put a lot more emphasis on you know, how we say things than what we say. So we may have to adjust our tonality during the call. When we speak to a receptionist or gatekeeper, we, we need to have a very different tonality than when we're speaking to the customer, the potential customer. Second thing mm-hmm. is, I don't know if it's just me, but how do you feel when you pick up the phone and someone says, you know, hello, sir, how are you today? This is John Smith from ABC Company calling. Mm. I'd suggest that you a lot feel- of people think salesperson and they go into defense mode. So our rule is if a, if a salesperson would say it, we don't want to say it. We want to deliberately do the opposite of what a conventional salesperson would say. Because we don't want the person on the end of the phone to think or to put us into that bucket of salesperson, get them off the phone. We want to come across okay. as this, the, the high status, trusted advisor, business person that just happens to be ringing them. And how do you put that across? Like, what are some of the things that you could say in terms of opening that phone call with a way just to kind of grab their attention and not sound like a salesperson? So a very easy one is, hi, Abdul, this is Tom Mallons. Uh, don't suppose you recognize the name? Mm, makes sense. We, so we call this in uh, Sandler, we call this a pattern interrupt. We've got to do something in the first few seconds of the call so they don't think, oh, this is a salesperson. We've got to say something that, that changes the pattern that their brain is expecting. And there are lots of other ones, loads in fact. Uh, one that a lot of people like at least the sound of is to say, uh, hello, John. I'm afraid this is a cold call and, you know, I, I understand that you probably hate getting them about as much as I hate making them. Would you like to hang up now? Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of like it, it kind of puts the humor across, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, totally. See that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the question. If you t- if you ask people, would you like to hang up? What do you think they say? They're going to say no. Because they, yeah. feel, they, they feel they feel like they um, they feel bad for just telling you to go away in that way, in, in, in that manner, because you've asked so nicely. Yeah, absolutely. They either say no, and, and what they usually say is, it depends what it's about. And that's mm. that's the foundation, the platform that we can build on. Getting their agreement to let us explain what it's about, and then moving them through a series of steps. So we, we've got to, but the, but the key is... Um, we've got to deliberately not sound like a salesperson. And there are some techniques and structures to do that. Those being just two, you know, just two little examples. Perfect. I really value that. I value that. And just to, just to, I really appreciate the, the work that you do. And I think a lot of, I'm seeing your social media, I see the group and I think there's a lot of value to be provided. So before I go on to the last question, how can mm. people find out more about you? 
Thank you for asking. They can find me on LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn, Tom Mallens, M-A-L-L-E-N-S. Uh, likewise, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I uh, Or you can uh, just uh, drop me a line at um, tom.mallens at sandler.com. So social media or email. It'd be great to hear from anyone listening to this. Perfect, perfect. And one last question. And I ask this because it's something that usually throws people off. And, and it's usually something just to end on a more lighter note. Yeah. I ask people, and, and this is a question for you, what's one thing that nobody knows about Tom Mellons? Oh, God. <laughs> well, some of the things no one knows about Tom Mellons, you know, there's a good reason why I haven't told anyone. Um, <laughs> Um, so, uh, right, okay, here's, here's, here's a, a very silly one. Um, I'm always fascinated by uh, people's ideas and beliefs about them, uh, because I found that often when people have deeply held beliefs, they tend to become self-fulfilling prophecies. Some people just feel in their bones that, that they deserve to be rich, uh, and, and, and they, they just know it. And of course, often it becomes true. Um, one thing I've always believed about myself is that I can swim faster than anyone else. I don't know why I have that belief. I did a lot of swimming when I was younger, <laughs> literally to the point that if, if, I, uh, if, Michael, if I bumped into Michael Phelps uh, and he said, let's go for a swim, I would think I'm going to beat him. I, now, and, and while intellectually I know that's not true, emotionally, even though I haven't been in a swimming pool for like 10 years, I still believe it. Um, so that's just a little stupid thing. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, I was like, you must practice a few times a week if you think you're best. And you just said, like, I don't know been in a swimming pool for so long, but wow, that's crazy. It's crazy. just a silly thing, you know, because I've met people that just, they just believe they're a great speaker, a great public speaker. And of course, for most of them, that becomes true. Um, you know, I, I, I've met people on the flip side that just believe uh, they're not very important and uh, that they always struggle to make money. And of course, over time, that it tends to become true. So that's one of my stupid little um, beliefs that I've just always had about myself. Well, I really appreciate your time, uh, uh, time Tom. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I really look forward to following more about your journey. There's so many nuggets that I've learned from you and there's so much more than I'm, I continue to learn from you even in the group and even in, in the interactions that I've been having so I really appreciate your time Tom thanks for coming on uh, and and hopefully we, we, we will see we'll see you again soon I look forward to it my absolute pleasure thank you Abdul I really enjoyed it perfect thank you very much and guys that's you have it Tom Mallon's the beast of Broad Street you can we're going to put the links in the bio if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter you'll find this podcast in the newsletter Hopefully we shall see you there. Uh, and from, from your host, Abdul Shakur, this is all from now. Thank you. Bye-bye.